So I'm in Hobart now. Hobart, Tasmania, the island state of Australia located due south of Melbourne and thrown back about 25 years in time. The whole state has less people living in it than Portland, Oregon. What a weird place it is. Almost not like Australia at all, at least until someone opens their mouth. An Aussie buff head sounds the same in Tasmania. Shops close here at 5.30 p.m. every day and the city is deserted apart from a few hole-in-the-wall takeaway joints and some dodgy bars. There is no late-night shopping, it doesn't exist here. Luckily there are tons of boutique pubs and breweries, cafes and craft beer places. I even found a decent Nepalese eatery. But there just aren't many people. The waterfront is beautiful, quite expensive and as generally waterfronty as waterfronts tend to be. Lots of craft beer, trendy beards, tattoos and bottle blonde women. Which may not be a bad thing. But I'm more interested in the other wildlife, smiley face. Meet my new friend Alex, scrounging for scraps amongst the fish and chip punts. Also I think this is where the Sydney to Hobart yacht race finishes. That's a sport so just guessing here. Downtown does come alive on a sunny Sunday though. Crowds appear and flock to the markets. There's a city organic market happening at the moment, it's pretty damn good with loads of organic produce, food stalls and music galore. I even saw Koshi from Sunrise wandering around with his wife. Yay! This single sunny day aside, my initial impressions from flying in and living here over the past few weeks hold true, Hobart is generally sleepy and the people ruggedly outdoorsy with stunning wilderness areas and oceans to explore, not a lot of Subarus but despite that it reminds me of Washington a little. A cashed-up version though and no homeless people, or at least haven't seen any yet. I can't really explore, no car, so I'm at the mercy of the elements and the daylight. It's good to get out and walk my ass off though. These two were so good. It's fall weather here six days out of seven and today is a rare but welcome sunny one. There are a lot of beards, yoga pants and everyone else is in adventure wear, loads of bike riders out and about. The outdoor stores do well here for a reason I guess. Anyway. Day one at the division was giddily exciting, the bus picked a group of us up outside an old sandstone building near the hotel, all of us strangers and nervously wondering who the others were. A few first day of school comments, some IT crowd in jokes, and the three IT people, my colleagues bound for the other two stations, gravitated towards each other, inherent geekiness drawing us together. Walking into the Division HQ is cool cool cool, I'll get smart automatic doors and security, I'd find out why later. The most thrilling thing is being part of Australia's incredible history of exploration, and assisting science in the Antarctic region, following in the footsteps of the great explorers as it were. Ross, Amundsen, Shackleton, Scott, Hillary, Mawson, in no particular order. Their faces looked down from the walls of the Antarctic Division headquarters, their exploits and adventures inspire. Relics and photographs of their expeditions pepper the offices and buildings in silent memorial to their achievements and give us newbies hints at what is to come. It's just mind-blowing how much history is here. But this is government, some things never change. I expected a well-oiled machine of IDs, induction, paperwork, maybe a briefing, after all they do this every six months. Hmm. Nothing of the sort. ID sorted and then we just kinda wandered. Had a few short welcomes and then left to our own devices. Clock watched till 5 p.m. when our bus arrived. We were all exhausted from doing nothing, said little and just stared at Mount Wellington on the way home. 
Being in a human petri dish, office environment again, I immediately picked up a flu bug on day one, and have been sick and out of sorts since. Day two was kidding but started the same way, early morning bus, wait till the workers wander at around 9 a.m., then more hurry up and wait. Kidding was really exciting and fun, getting all of my allocated polar survival gear and PPE, masses of gear, protective equipment, parkas, ice chains, crampons, gloves, hats, sunnies, boots, more gear than I'd ever expected. Then the pace slowed to a yawning crawl. The training program stalled and we would spend hours trying to fill in time productively. Once again IT was on the absolute bottom of the priority order and we were largely forgotten. With no access, and little documentation, there was little we could do despite asking constantly for work or training. My colleagues were struggling as well, it wasn't just me. Struggling to stay busy, struggling to stay awake. With all of us coming from extremely busy private sector technology backgrounds, this change of pace, moving from 100 miles an hour to virtually zero was jarring to say the least. This would change when we were deployed but now it all seems to be just wasting time till we go. It'd rather be outside. Despite the boredom, my start at the Antarctic Division's headquarters in Kingston was a shock to the system for another unexpected reason. Not only was getting back into the rhythms of a 9-to-5 working life again hard, but being indoors is much much tougher than I thought it would be. Feeling a little trapped at the desk. The lack of movement and momentum is excruciating. I really don't like it at all. Downtime sucks. So anyway as of Friday, two weeks in and we're only just getting access to the systems we need to manage and the scope of my role seems to diminish the more I dig into it. God government process takes forever. Ugh, IT. Look my co-workers are nice, the IT side of things interesting at times, but there's an element of uncertainty in this role that troubles me. It's all far too casual. Don't get me wrong, it's still going to be an incredible experience and I'm extremely grateful for the chance, but now my year in Antarctica has been shortened to a summer only, November till April, but sorta kinda maybe perhaps a winter but nothing's certain and only if they get funding but don't worry you can just get extra gear sent out on the resupply voyage at the end of March, we'll let you know. I'm mindful I tossed a job for this but the attitude here to my predicament is may you'll be fine. GRRR. I gotta roll with it. We toured should the ship a few days back which was fascinating and will be my home for a few weeks from the end of October. I love being at sea almost more than anything, except my mountains and rainforests of course. It's been almost 15 years since my last stint on a ship, but it felt very familiar stepping aboard, the smells, sounds and constant vibration under the feet was comforting, I wondered aloud how the fuck did I end up on a ship again, a few people glanced at me with odd expressions but I didn't feel the need to explain myself. But I always need a plan B. I've been applying for other jobs next year, dusting off the crystal ball and looking into the future, getting my famous plan B up and running in case I'm back six months earlier than planned. So today, Sunday, I finally found a nice cafe with good coffee and thought I'd plug this update in just to keep the record up to date. Coffee first. Gotta get my priorities in order. Anyway I'm shortly off to find a bookshop if there are any open and maybe wander down to the wharf. Still two weeks to go before I head off. All will be well, I'm sure. The Get Smart doors are there because so much kid is carried around between the buildings, everyone has their hands full all the times. It's super cool though, smiley face. Thank you.